again, but this time for a little bit longer. Uh, this is a continuation of worship. Worship is not just music. Worship is engaging with the Lord with our mind. Uh, God created the intellect. God created the ability to read. He created the ability to form language. And, and so this should be a continuation of worship as we engage with his word. Um, we're going to be in a bit of a longer section of Exodus today as we continue the story of Moses and of God delivering his people, rescuing them from slavery. So rather than stand for a big chunk of scripture, uh, if you would all please just join me in prayer before we begin. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for how good you are that when you call us to follow you, it's because you are there. We are following you. We are not isolated from you. We are not independent from you. We are following you as you go before us, and that is truly a privilege and a blessing. In this time, God, would you humble us, please? Humble me. Give me your words. Get rid of me entirely. May this be pleasing to you, Lord. May everything we do be for the glory of Jesus and love for one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you do want to open your Bibles, if you just want to follow along, that's fine. If you do want to open and be able to read along, we're going to be starting in chapter 4, finishing in chapter 5. If you're using one of the Bibles that's uh, not in the pew backs, in the seat underneaths, uh, it's page 49. It starts there. But what we're going to do is we're going to just take it chunk by chunk by chunk. We're going to read a couple of verses. We're going to talk about it. We're going to move on to the next, and we're going to see how it continues to build. And so if you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, if you weren't here the last two weeks, wherever, wherever you've been, wherever you are, um, what has just happened is God has met Moses through the burning bush. He has called him to go to Egypt. You will be my mouth. You will say these words. I'm going to use you to bring my people out of captivity in Egypt. It's when Moses pushed back. First, he was like, well, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this. And God said, no, I'm calling you. And so then Moses tried to blame the Israelites. And he said, well, okay, I might be the right guy, but they're not going to listen to me. And God said, no, you're going to do these signs. And Moses kept making excuses. And it culminates where he says, oh, look, I'm just not good with words. And God says, okay, I made your mouth. I made your ears. I'm with you. I'm going to tell you what to say. I understand that you have these. He says, I'll give you Aaron. I will give you Aaron to go and to help you, but I'm still calling you to do this. So go do this. And immediately following that is what we see in chapter 4, verse 18. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. We've talked before about the Bible passages that tend not to get crocheted and hung in your kitchen. 
that section of Exodus is kind of one of those passages. What is going on? What? I thought Exodus was about, like I saw the movie, there was way more singing. What? Why is this happening? Okay, cool, let's understand. Let's explore scripture together. Why is that in there? What is it talking about? Chapter 4, verses 24 to 26. What is happening here in scripture? God is honoring his covenant that he made with Abraham. If you go back to, to Exodus 2, 24, you remember that God calls this out. He says, I remember my covenant that I made with Abraham to deliver the people. So God is honoring the original covenant he made with Abraham and then continued to confirm to future generations throughout the book of Genesis. You see the covenant established in 15 to 17. You see it confirmed in 28, chapter 48, chapter 50. As, as God continues to recall to his people's minds, I made this covenant with you, I'm upholding it. I promise things are moving towards this. And so now we come to Moses and God is, is moving towards the fulfillment of that covenant through Moses. So Moses has entered into the covenant. He is representing God's people, their part in the covenant. And what do we see in scripture about covenants? That they're very serious things. A covenant wasn't one-sided. It wasn't, hey, I'm going to do this and your part's optional. It was two parties agreeing to something together, entering into a promise together. And part of that promise God lays out in Genesis 17 or 15 through 17 was circumcision. And this wasn't just about the physical act. This was, this was meant to symbolize. This was meant to represent. It's why you see then in the New Testament, it talks about a circumcision of the heart. Because this was God's people being set apart. God's people being called to be holy, to be different from the common, from the mundane, from the broken. Hey, you are chosen. You're the Lord's people. There's something different. And when we fail to uphold the covenant, there are consequences to that. God takes this stuff very seriously. Consider, or consider scripture. This is Genesis 17, 9 to 14. God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And then you jump down to verse 14. It says, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. You look at Numbers 9, 13. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man, that man shall bear his sin. So what we see happening in these verses that at first read might kind of trip us up and cause us to say, huh? We see Moses failing to honor the covenant. We see Moses failing to meet the standards of the covenant that God has entered into with his people. And the Lord takes that very seriously. There are consequences for Moses' breaking of the covenant. The Zipporah acting quickly, how does she know what to do? We don't know. Bible doesn't say. But Zipporah... She acts and intervenes. And so now the covenant's restored. The covenant's taken care of. Okay, the consequence is not meted out to Moses. It's really a beautiful passage of God providing protection for his servant Moses, whom has neglected his own part of the covenant. And if you think about it, it's incredible foreshadowing for us in Christ in the new covenant. Who you and I, as Christians, as sons and daughters of the king, we fall short. We continue to struggle with sin. We continue to give innocent sometimes. 
We continue to break and dishonor the standards that God has called us to. But what do we see about Jesus? We see that Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus advocates for us. Jesus cleanses us. Jesus sanctifies us. So even in this act, I think we see a wonderful foreshadowing of, okay, even when God's people, even when his servants fail to uphold the covenant, his mercy is extended. His grace is extended. His truth is not compromised. But God never ceases to be merciful and to be patient. And so, yeah, it's one of those interesting passages, but I think it's really, really beautiful when you understand what is happening and what's going on there. And then we come out of this section, and we we come out of Moses traveling to Egypt, and he gets to Egypt. And we see when he gets to Egypt and he brings this news of deliverance to the people, there's rejoicing, there's celebration. And this is where I really want us to consider this in the next two sections this morning. Because what we see in the people's response to God offering deliverance, offering redemption, offering rescue is praise and adoration and worship. And that is right and good. That should be our response to the Lord doing what only he can do. That should be our response to God intervening in a miraculous way in our lives is worship and praise and celebration of who he is. We have verse 27. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. When we looked earlier in Exodus where it says God saw the people of Israel and he knew, we talked about that pain that comes from, man, am I seen? That pain that comes from, oh shoot, I'm seen and I'm not loved. And we looked at the beautiful reminder that God, El Roi, is a God who sees and knows and loves us. And we see that again here. And the people say when they, when they saw, when they learned, when they realized that God had seen them and he knew and he promised deliverance, they worshiped. This should be our heart's response. For those who are believers, for those who say, Jesus is Lord, he's rescued us, he saved me from my sin, there should be worship. There should be worshipful hearts that delight in singing his praises, that delight in, in celebrating our king. Consider scripture. Genesis 24, 26 to 27. What's happened leading up to Genesis 24 is Abraham has sent his servant, hey, go find my, my son's wife, the woman he's to be betrothed to. And the servant doesn't know who it's going to be. And so he gets to the town and he prays. He says, Lord, give me a sign that I may know because he has no clue. And the Lord does it. The Lord works and intervenes and there's a sign given. And so the servant knows this is the woman. It's incredible. I wouldn't have known this on my own. And so what is his response to God doing what only God can do? Genesis 24, 26 to 27, the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. He's praising God, not just for who he is, but specifically for his steadfast faithfulness to his promises. Second Chronicles 7, 1-3, As soon as Solomon finished his prayer dedicating the temple, 
As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Again, what do you see? They worshiped God for doing what only God could do. And part of that was specifically praising God for his steadfast love that endures forever. Psalm 63, three to four, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Isaiah 25, one, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. Hebrews 13, 15, through him, Jesus, through Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Time and time again, going back to Exodus, we see, going back to Genesis, the first book in the Bible, we see that the proper response to God's people recognizing who the Lord is, is praise, is worship is lips that declare his majesty, declare his holiness, declare his worthiness. And I kept emphasizing steadfast love because our circumstances are going to change. Our, our situations may change. This year was really good. Last year was really bad, vice versa. This week was really good. Last week was really bad, vice versa. Our circumstances are unpredictable. Our situations, they come and go. So if our praise, if our heart of worship, if our heart of adoration is dependent on things going well, no, that's not it. If our worship is determined by, hey, what are the external factors in my life? No, that's, that's not it. Worship is given to God because of who he is, because he is worthy of it. Because it's based on his character, his steadfast love, his steadfast promises, his sureness, his unchanging nature, his unchanging word. And so believers, let me read Psalm 63 again. I will bless you as long as I live. Every day we wake up, there's all the reason we need to praise God. I mean, it's fun. It should be a delight Read through scripture and notice how it talks about worship. It never talks about it being a burden. It never talks about it being a task. It never talks about it being something that is wearisome. If you read Malachi, God actually speaks pretty strongly against his people considering worship to be burdensome. Oh, this is what I have to do. No, are you kidding me? This is what we get to do. Well, this is just what we do. No, no, are you kidding me? This is the privilege and honor that we have to worship to praise him, to exult in him, to delight in being known by the king and being able to serve him, to be a part of his family adopted into his eternal home. Romans 12.1 Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. This is worship. So worship, when I talk about these things, about delighting, about rejoicing, I mean, if you want to go through your day just singing 
praise songs constantly, go for it. It might raise some really interesting conversations with coworkers. Some of you are like, I'm also required to speak for my job, so I need to be able to do that. So we're not just talking about just singing praise songs. We're talking about offering your lives as a sacrifice to the Lord. This is worship. Are you a teacher for the glory of God? Are you a grandparent for the glory of God? Are you a driver for the glory of God? Are you a shopper for the glory of God? I mean, is our life worship? Is it an act of recognizing, God, I praise you for who you are. I praise you for what you have done, what only you can do. Why, why do we pray before meals? Seriously, I want you to seriously think about why do you pray before a meal? Don't put your hands up. But how many of you, part of the answer that popped in your mind was, I, I don't know, because that's, that's what my parents did. And if we asked your parents, they would say, oh, I don't know, because that's what my parents did. No, 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 like, pray before a meal to recognize, wow, the only reason I have money to buy groceries is because God saw fit to bless me with this. Do you know how many people are going to go hungry today? Do you know how many people would love to work for food today? If you know Chris Coakley down at Heartland, he's heavily involved with missions that go into some very, very poor areas of this world. So anytime you eat with Coakley, I guarantee you he's going to pray and he's going to acknowledge, Lord, a lot of people aren't going to eat today. May we never lose sight of the fact that we are. Like everything in our life should be worship should be done in praise of a good, faithful, eternal, steadfast God who loves us. It's, it's radical what that does to our perspective. It doesn't get much simpler than that. The proper response to God is worship. But what keeps us from that? I'll be the first to admit I am not perfect at remembering this. I am not perfect at remembering everything should be an act of worship. I was working on changing out the lights in our kitchen this past week, and our wonderful previous homeowners did very many things irregularly. And I struggled with focusing on worshiping God for providing a house on my 17th trip to the hardware store. I'm not perfect at this. So what distracts us from this? If we say we know this, we as believers, we say, yes, I understand that everything should be worship. Yes, I, ever, I understand that everything should be done in praise. Why don't we do it perfectly? Well, because one, we're not perfect people. But two, what are the things that pop up in life that actually detract from this, that actually distract us from this? If we continue in Exodus, we see what those are. Let's continue to read in Exodus. This is chapter 5, verse 1. So the people, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let, his and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. We're not going to read all of these verses. But if you continue in the next several verses, so Moses and Aaron, they come to the people, they say, hey, God sent us to rescue you, to bring you out of slavery. And the people are like, yes, worship. And so then they go to Pharaoh and they say, let God's people go, let Israel go. And Pharaoh says, no. Moses knows this is happening. Moses knows this is going to happen. Why? Because God said to him, hey, Pharaoh's going to say no. 
He's going to deny this. He's not going to give in right away. I'm going to have to work powers. So this is happening exactly as God said. So Pharaoh says no. And then if you continue to read up to verse 19, what Pharaoh does is in response to this, he increases the workload on the people of Israel. In response to this, he makes a bad situation even worse. I mean, slavery is not a good situation. So it's not like they were on vacation. Like, slavery is not a good situation, but now the Pharaoh says, okay, make it even harder. The work that they're supposed to do, building these bricks, take away some of the essential components they need to complete the work. Make their task even more difficult, but don't let up the standards that they're to meet. Imagine if at your job, think of your job, think of an essential tool to your job. And then all of a sudden, the boss came in and took it away and was like, nope, you don't get that. By the way, your workload hasn't changed at all. Uh, what? How, how am I supposed to respond to this? And because they don't respond well, they get beaten because they're not meeting their quotas. And so what happens? What do the people say? We jump down to verse 15. Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet you say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your your, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh and they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people and you have not delivered your people at all. God says to Moses, you're going to go deliver the people. Moses and Aaron come to the people and they say, God sent us to deliver you. God says, hey, the first time you say it to Pharaoh, like when you first go to Pharaoh, it's not going to happen. They go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says no, just like God said. What is the response? What's the deal? Why did you, why did you abandon your promise? Why have you not done said what you, why have you not, oh boy. Why have you not said what you, what, nope. Why have you not done what you said you were going to do? There we go. What are they mad about? They're mad that God's timing wasn't the exact timing they wanted. Hey, you promised us deliverance. Why didn't it happen right away? Because God's timing is not promised to be our own timing. We're called to be patient. So what distracts us? What detracts? What obstacle rises up that prevents us from worship? I mean, what is the catalyst that changes the people of Israel from worship to grumbling, from worship to criticizing, to complaining? Things don't happen on their timeline. In our own lives. Let's go back to my example. Why did that home project become frustrating for me and a source of ire? Because I thought it was going to be a 20-minute swap. I've done lights before. You take off the old one, put on the new one. Sweet. Then I get up there and, oh, shoot, this took way longer than I wanted. Now my whole day's schedule is thrown off. Timing. 
How many things in our own life come down to, wait a minute, God, I want you to do what you say you're going to do, but I want you to do when I want you to do it. I want you to do it how I want you to do it. I'm praying for this, and by the way, here's also how it needs to be answered and when it needs to be answered. And if it doesn't happen that way, well, okay, now it's a lot harder for me to praise. We're called to be patient. Consider Scripture. Psalm 31, 14 to 15, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Psalm 37, 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Daniel eleven thirty five. And some of the wise shall stumble. This is talking about the end times. Some of the wise shall stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time. Acts 1.7, Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Romans 5.6, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you. If God is patient towards us, why can't we be patient towards him? God, you're Lord, but here's my advisement on when and how I need you to act. That's not how this works. But my heart wants it to work that way. And I bet if a lot of us are honest, our hearts want it to work that way. Lord, I had my hours cut. I need you to intervene and do something in this. Sure, you're going to learn patience. You're going to learn trust. You're going to learn, no, no, no. I meant I want you to give me a new job that pays twice as much. God, I prayed for this, but you didn't answer it how I wanted you to answer it. We don't get to know the timing. We don't get to know the perfect details. But when we focus on that stuff, it makes it hard to worship. It takes our eyes off Christ. It takes our eyes off the Lord on his throne and his sovereignty and his goodness. And when the people's eyes are back on their problems, back on their conflicts, where do their hearts go back to? Grumbling, complaint, anger, disappointment. I mean, it literally, like they say, what did they say to Moses and Aaron, the people who just said, hey, we're going to lead you to freedom. And they say, the Lord look on you and judge. They condemn Moses and Aaron. Why? Because the timing didn't work out exactly how they wanted it to. So then Moses in his wisdom says, it's okay. God said this is how it was going to play out. No, Moses says, Lord, why have you done this evil to this people? You said you were going to deliver them. Why hasn't it happened yet? The worship disappears. So what do we need? We need resilience. We need to be resilient. I mean, Scripture is abundantly clear on the necessity of this quality in our lives. Jeremiah 17, 7-8 Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. It doesn't say that the year of drought doesn't come. It doesn't say that the heat doesn't come. 
It says that because the tree is planted by a stream of water, it endures. What does Jesus refer to himself as in the New Testament? The well of living water that doesn't run dry. Jeremiah 17, are we trees planted by water so that when the heat comes, when the drought comes, we endure? We remain resilient. We don't cease to bear fruit. Why? Because it's not dependent on the external circumstances. Micah 7, 7 to 8, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. It doesn't say, I won't fall. It doesn't say, I won't sit in darkness. It says, when it happens, I will rise. When it happens, God will be my light. Resilience. Habakkuk, or Habakkuk 3, 17 to 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Where did all their livelihood come from? The produce of the fields and the flocks, the herds. So everything is going wrong. Nothing is good. Let me reread those. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Hebrews 10.36, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. James 1.12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Steadfast under trial. You need endurance. Why? The heat's going to come. The drought's going to come. The darkness is going to come. You're going to fall. The taskmaster is going to take away your essential supplies and not let up on the quota one bit. And when you fail to meet it, you're going to get beaten. And in that moment, are we going to take our eyes off the Lord and his steadfast faithfulness, his steadfast promises? And are we going to cease to worship? Or are we going to keep our eyes fixed on Christ? Are we going to keep our eyes fixed on the throne? Are we going to keep centered on our God, our strength, our salvation? Are we going to say, though I fall, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Though the heat comes, I will not cease to bear fruit because I am planted in the well of living water. Colossians, what does Colossians say? Set your mind on things above. What does it say in Hebrews 12.1, one of the verses we've used for our cultural goal, our cultural pursuit? Hebrews 12.1, let us run the race with endurance. Hebrews 12.2, how, why? 
setting our eyes on Christ. The church needs resilience. The individual believer needs resilience. We need endurance. And when this is lacking, I think you see in the lives of the Israelites, the lives of God's people, the worship dries up. I mean, really, it's laid out. None of that has changed God's promise. What did it say when we talked about patience? Everything is still moving towards its appointed time. The Lord is not slow to act. Everything is still advancing as he wants it, as he directs it, as he is sovereign over it. We are called to be patient and to praise, to offer ourselves as worship. It's awesome. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, he talks about how God whispers. He's you know, speaking artistically. But he's talking about how he's, in his experience in his life, he's, it, it feels like, it seems like God is whispering through the times of good, but he's shouting through the times of pain. And C.S. Lewis talks about how it's in those hard times that he learned to really rely on the Lord, to depend on the Lord, to abide in the Lord. So what if the world around us, what if the hurting, broken, messed up world around us got to look and see imperfect people in the midst of hard circumstances not ceasing to praise? What if we gave the world around us a reason to say, why are you responding like that? Why aren't you despondent? Why aren't you spiraling? That's not how I would react. What's different about you? What if the world saw resilience and praise in the church? What if the world saw joyful endurance, sanctified endurance? What doors might that open up if we were planted by the stream of living water, roots in the well, so that when things got hard, we didn't let it change our approach to the Lord. We continued to praise it's not easy. Anybody who tells you it is hasn't read scripture. But it's holy. And holiness is a joy. Holiness is what we are called to. It's awesome. It's hard. But we get to do it together with Christ. And that's great. We're going to do things a little bit differently here at the end. This week, as we continue these things, or as we consider these things, so we read the end of, of Habakkuk. This week, let's all read Habakkuk 1 and then the first four verses of chapter 2. And in, in chapter 1 and in the start of chapter 2, you see Habakkuk offer complaints to the Lord. You see Habakkuk offer criticisms, critiques to the Lord, problems that he sees in the world. And he's demanding, he's like, God, address these problems. Consider God's response to Habakkuk. I love this, this very short book, this very short letter. It's incredible. So let's read those verses together. Let's read that section of scripture. Pray as led by that, continuing to reflect on, okay, what's my response of praise and worship? Is my, my approach to praise determined by my impatience or by my resilience? And then let's continue to remember Exodus 4, 11 to 12. But how we're going to end now, like I said, we're doing it a little bit differently. I'm going to read Psalm 27 before we sing. I'm going to read the entirety of Psalm 27. I encourage you to turn your phones off, close your Bibles, just listen to it. 
Don't worry about reading along. Psalm 27 speaks of resilience. Psalm 27 speaks of the Lord's enduring faithfulness, of his steadfastness. So what we're going to do is we're going to read Psalm 27 together, and then we're going to have a very short time of just prayer. Just quiet prayer. It's okay. You don't need to pray with anybody. Just We're just going to pray wherever we are. And then after a very short period, I'll close us in prayer. The team will come up. We'll sing our final song like we normally do. But during that time, if you need to continue to pray, by all means, continue to pray. And we're going to have, look, we hope you know that you can always go to the elders. They are your shepherds. So we hope that you are regularly going to them if you need to. But today especially, we're going to have the elders in the back of the sanctuary. And so if you feel like you're missing resilience in your life, if you feel like you've forgotten about endurance, or if you're struggling with it, you're trying to endure, you're trying to be resilient, you're not giving up, but it's hard. Like if you just need to talk to somebody or pray with somebody during that closing song, your elders are going to be in the back. They're going to be praying for you. So if you want to pray with them, by all means, please take advantage of that. But right now, let's read Psalm 27 and let's hear what the Lord says about this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my mother and my father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe about violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray.
Lord, you are our light and our salvation. We have no one to fear. You are our stronghold. We have no reason to be afraid. God, even if it feels like there's an army encamped around us, even if it feels like everybody at work is against us, everybody in our neighborhood is against us, may our hearts not be afraid. Even if war arises against us, God, may we remain confident. Like David, may we ask for one thing. May we dwell in your house and gaze upon your beauty. Lord, thank you that you hide us in your shelter. Thank you that you conceal us, that you protect us, that you lift us up. God, may we lift our head up to praise you. Even if it feels like there are enemies all around us, Lord, may we offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. Hear us when we cry out, Lord. Be gracious to us. Tell us to seek you. God, may our hearts say, we seek you. Teach us your ways, God. Lead us. Don't let us quit. Don't let us falter. Give us resilience. Give us endurance. And in those, may we give praise constantly. Lord, we believe that we will look upon your goodness in the land of the living. God, strengthen us to wait for you, to be strong and let our hearts take courage as we wait for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, Otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.